Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Squanderlust podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what, if anything, we can do about it. I'm Martha Lawton. And I'm Alex Lemon. And we're your hosts. In today's show, we're going to talk about why you probably shouldn't go on a budget and a diet at the same time. And why it's a bad idea to start window shopping when you've had a stressful day. How you doing, Alex? I'm good. Great. Uh, today, we're going to talk about something called ego depletion. It's an interesting idea, has some challenges, But I think it's still good to know about. I feel a bit ego depleted because I was at a big wedding at the weekend. Yeah. Is that is that what it is? What is ego depletion? <laughs> ego depletion is an idea from psychology. It isn't really what it sounds like because the way that ordinary people use the word ego and the way psychologists use the word ego is slightly different. In this context, ego is a sort of stand-in for willpower. And it's the idea that Willpower is a limited resource. Self-control is limited. And as you use it during the day, you get less and less of it until you run out. And then you have to give yourself some time and space to let it build back up again before you can start doing the things that you want to do, resisting temptation and generally managing your life. <laughs> Okay, so that was a bit like when I had to speak to lots of people at the wedding that I hadn't seen for a long time, and then I totally smashed the cheese table when it came out later. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> that could actually be it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing was kicked off by Roy Baumeister and his colleagues in the mid-90s. They're social psychologists, and they were looking at how generally self-control fails more when people are already under stress or at night after a demanding and tiring day and they wanted to look <laughs> like on the dance floor yeah <laughs> <laughs> and speaking to those people i don't know yeah and wearing really uncomfortable shoes well and then I, the cheese came out yeah <laughs> yeah especially especially things like the wearing uncomfortable shoes so you had to control the image you were projecting of yourself oh, yeah. to all those people all day yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then, then dolly parton came on and oh there we go <laughs> there we go that's when you're going to lose it right yeah. <laughs> so They wanted to do some experiments about this. And you can see how that might be useful information for someone who's trying to stick to the budget or to summon the will to do that kind of boring financial admin. Mm -hmm. You know, things like not just sticking with your insurance renewal quote, but actually summoning the, the energy to go looking somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's familiar. 
Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they wanted to test this in the lab. And it seemed like, actually, from the initial results, it seemed like they were right. So I'm going to talk you through one of the ways that they tested this, because I think this experiment is fun, and it's a really great illustration of how the science worked. So the most famous experiment was in 1998, and they kind of tortured these 67 <laughs> psychology students. So they had this group of people, and they told them the experiment was about taste perception. So they said, we need you to skip a meal. We need you not to have eaten anything within three hours of the start of the experiment. So they got everybody really hungry going into the lab. And then inside the lab, they baked some chocolate chip cookies. So the whole lab just smells amazing. So all these hungry students come in and they are put into two different groups, randomly assigned. They go into a room and... They have a table with two bowls on it. Bowl number one has cookies and chocolates in it. Bowl number two has radishes. Group one are the lucky ones. They get told, sit down in front of these cookies and chocolates and these radishes. Eat chocolates and cookies. You're not allowed to touch the radishes. Group number two, however... They're told they can only eat the radishes. They have to sit there in this glorious smelling lab and not touch the cookies. And then the experimenters left them alone for five minutes. The students, actually, all of them complied. None of them ate the cookies when they weren't supposed to. Some of them did pick the cookies up and sniff them. <laughs> Why did you do that? I know, right? Make it worse for yeah, yourself, right? Also, like, someone else is going to eat that now because you put it back. <laughs> anyway. Well, so, yeah, the experimenters <laughs> were watching it. through a two-way mirror. So mm. um, hopefully they did actually... <laughs> just, in fact, just wiped it down afterwards with a towelette. <laughs> oh, <laughs> towelette cookie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so all of them did what they were supposed to do. Although some of them did, as I say, kind of sniff the cookies. None of them ate any. And then the... Students were given a set of puzzles to solve, and everyone was given the same set of puzzles. And they were told, we want to... So they, these people have just been hanging out with the cookies for a bit. They've been hanging out with or, the cookies. Or chowing down on them, and now they've yeah. got to go and solve some and puzzles. And now they've got to go again. solve some puzzles. So the people who are allowed to eat <laughs> <Sounds> cookies <laughs> have not been exerting any self-control, right? Because resisting radishes in the face of cookies. I mean, I like a radish, but... <laughs> yeah, I like a radish, but... <laughs> It's not really resisting, yeah. is yeah. it? Yeah. Or it's a rare person for whom that's going to be a <laughs> resisting thing. Part human, part rabbit. Yeah. Yeah, right? And and the group that was having to eat the radishes, presumably they've been doing quite a lot of resisting in there. Mm -hmm. um, theory says their self-control should be depleted. They were all given this set of puzzles to solve and they were told, we're not judging you on how fast you do it. We're not judging you on how many attempts it takes. But we just want to see, do you finish the puzzle, right? That's the key thing we're testing here. So they all sit down. They all get going. What the students don't know, the puzzles are actually impossible. Okay. There is no solution. It's like life. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, they were really torturing these poor students. So here's the real test. How long would the students keep trying to solve these impossible puzzles? And what they found from looking at this was that the students who had been eating the chocolate kept going for more than twice as long 
at doing these impossible puzzles. They had the self-control to keep trying and trying and trying with these impossible puzzles for twice as long, and they made way more attempts Mm. than the students who had been giving radishes and had been trying to resist the cookies Mm. in the delicious cookie smell. So that seemed to provide some pretty clear evidence that this is a real thing. Mm. And from there... Or radishes make you wiser to experimenters fooling you with impossible puzzles. (laughs) That, you know... But there are some problems with it. There are, yeah. Maybe that is one of them. The wisdom of radishes. Come on, guys, let's eat them all. (laughs) So from there, there were hundreds of other experiments, more papers, and mostly they seem to support similar ideas. Doing something that requires self-control makes it harder to then do another different thing that also takes self-control. And they kind of said that self-control is like a muscle and it gets tired over time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't know if you find this relatable at all. Yes, I do. You do? (laughs) The other month I tried drinking less, running more, doing more yoga and like trying to eat really well and um, that didn't work (laughs) because that was too many things at once. And sleep better. Yeah, I think I did maybe two of those things. Um, Mm. which weren't stopping drinking and sleeping better, so I felt terrible anyway. (laughs) So especially that's really interesting because if you're trying to sleep better, that's usually going to be about what do you do in the evening to get yourself to sleep. Mm. And if you're drinking less, again, that's usually an evening thing. Yeah. Whereas I think your your yoga and running, do you tend to do those more in the morning? No, varies. Okay. Well, there we go. <laughs> Usually, I'm loading the myth oh. with my like complete lack of timetable. <laughs> no, that's that's cool. That's cool. Well, let's go on to that then. Let's mm-hmm. talk about why it might be that this is an idea that doesn't necessarily hold up. So we, it is intuitive. Mm-hmm. It's something that sort of makes a lot of immediate sense to people. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. But there have been some issues with the science. Have you heard about the reproducibility crisis? Uh, is that to do with having children? <laughs> I don't think it is. I, no, I, I science babies. No, it's science. It's science, guys. Science babies. <laughs> yeah. So the issue is this. Psychology, especially behavioral and social psychology, is having kind of an issue, which is that if your science is right, somebody else should be able to follow the method you use to do your experiment and then get the same or very similar results. Mm. Unfortunately, which I imagine happens quite nicely with like things growing in petri dishes, but not necessarily yeah, with humans. It, it and happens their brains. best with physics. <laughs> 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 things growing with petri dishes, anything with life. Yeah, I suppose that's is, life too, isn't it? Yeah, is is often a little bit complicated, but but humans and human behavior in particular is the most complicated. And this is where we've got into some real issues here. Psychology, I think, is is showing this up the most, which is that, yeah, results are, are they're struggling to reproduce results. And there's kind of a couple of really key issues that are a problem. One is they think there's some dodgy stats going on and dodgy experimental methods. Now, we're not saying that scientists are cheating, right? Mm. Or at least not on purpose. Mm. But Psychology studies often have really small groups Mm. of 
subjects. In well, that them. one before had only what is it like seventy people in it? Roughly. Yeah, and yeah. So it's not a lot. It's not a lot. Maybe they'd all been to hard weddings at the weekend as well. You know, you don't know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you can't control for life events. Yeah. Yeah. So the smaller your group is, the more that one random person or a couple of random people can skew the results, the more that just blind chance can can affect things. Mm. But then this is a bit more than that. There's actually a risk of people trying to kind of massage their stats to find that there is a real result. And that kind of brings us on to the second idea, which is this issue of publication bias. Journals want to publish things that show a result of some kind a positive result. If you do experiments and they don't show a positive result, they don't prove a theory of some kind, or they don't show something concrete, journals go, okay, so what? You had a failed experiment. Mm. We're not going to publish that. So what shows up in publication is the times when you get something that supports an idea, all the times that the evidence says there isn't anything in it, they kind of get lost. Mm -hmm. And so it looks like the evidence supports an idea because that's what's in all the journals. But maybe the actual evidence, if you saw the sum total of all the experiments that have actually been done, is more neutral than that. Mm. And it appears that ego depletion is in that world of maybe there's a whole load of unpublished results that don't really mm. prove that this is a but real we thing. just don't know. So... Leaving that aside, there are criticisms about whether some of the experiments are really testing the thing that we think they're testing. Mm -hmm. And also that maybe ego depletion, the definition of it is too woolly. So are mm. we really testing what we think we're testing? Mm -hmm. Or is there something else going on? Mm. Lots of that kind of discussion. But I guess it's like, um, I mean, the whole reason that they're testing it or trying to prove it I suppose is that it's a thing that's observed so it's a thing that like they've seen people do certain things and now it's like trying to find a very concrete explanation for why people do those things because this you know this concept of ego depletion is you know you can you run out of willpower essentially and we can all you know we've all, we've all crept to the fridge in the dead of the night and you know eat something out of it when we know we shouldn't so it's it's an observed thing that and now it's like, how can science actually concretely prove that people are creeping to the fridge in the middle of the night and why? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there are definitely some real world observations. And that's why I wanted to talk about it, because I think I think there is something in it. Mm -hmm. So there does seem to be something going on here. And like you said, real world observations definitely show that people seem to kind of take the easy route out when they're tired. Mm. Um, they've seen that amongst doctors, for example, prescribing antibiotics towards the end of a shift than at the beginning, because that's an easy, safe option for some kinds of infections. Um, so it's just requiring less of a thought process and less exactly sense of risk, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's less likely to be consequences. So mm. it's not... They're not pushing through to the hard solution. Exactly. they've run out of steam. Yeah. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was interesting in terms of the publication bias side of things, is that there's not a lot of papers that we can find that show a reverse effect. But what do you mean by reverse effect? So, yeah, good question. <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, my brain is trying to much. go backwards. So reverse <laughs> effects would be when exerting self-control gave you more self-control later on. Right. Like where self-control builds up with practice. Yeah, that is not familiar. <laughs> yeah, right? Intuitively. <laughs> oh my God, I just love forcing myself to do horrible things. Oh, I can't wait for more. <laughs> right? Yeah. So the fact that we haven't got a whole bunch of papers that say, as far as we can find, that say exerting self-control gives you self-control for the next thing you have to do implies that the results we're getting are not pure chance. Hmm. And if we were just looking at this from a pure chance perspective, mm. then we'd expect to get results that show meh, nothing particularly, and results that showed mm. the opposite of what we're trying to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, and those would still be quite publishable. Results that support a theory and results that go against it are more publishable than results that just kind of don't really show anything. Mm. Yeah, the controversy kind of rages mm-hmm. and... It'd be awesome if we could get some some input from people who actually are involved or know anything about this. Love to hear people's comments and thoughts on this. But yeah, from the research that I've got done myself, I think it's useful. So I think, you know, I think it's a thing. I think, yeah. I think it's a thing. We just haven't proven it yet. You know, there's a lot of things in the world that fall into that category and we go along with them. So <laughs> we're not here to prove science. We're here to find tools that might be useful. Absolutely. For like figuring stuff out. So Absolutely. I think it's good from that point. Yeah, yeah. For all for all my love of science, and I do have way back in the day a science degree, which is why I go way off into all of this stuff. I do not. Out. <laughs> um, Hence growing things in Petri dish. <laughs> Don't even know that that's risky. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I mean, I I still ultimately want to just be practical. This is about how do you live? Mm. So what do you do? So, so what is it? Yeah, like what, let's relate this to some money thoughts. Like what? how definitely. might this manifest in or have you seen it manifesting in 
people along the way or in yourself? Oh, in myself. So I think one of the most relatable real life examples for a lot of people is going to be direct debits. Mm -hmm. So think about this. If you couldn't use direct debits, and I'm aware that there are lots of people who can't use direct debits. I'm laughing already. If you couldn't use direct debits to pay your bills, yeah, how much more complicated would your life be? And oh, how much God. more often would you fail to pay your bills? Yeah, like all the time. Yeah. I can't even top up an Oyster card. Come on. <laughs> so, so habits and rules. Removing the need to make a decision removes the need to exert that self-control. Mm -hmm. So in practice, anytime you can automate something, try and form a habit that protects you mm -hmm. or make some kind of rule that removes the need to make a decision, mm -hmm. that is going to help you reserve some of your self-control and willpower mm. for the times when you really need it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's one of the important ones. Yeah. And like, it sounds kind of boring, but it's actually... <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of doing all the practical stuff so that you can actually do fun with it. Exactly. Or do the... Oh, God, yeah. Because I'm thinking, like, hmm, if I could organise that a bit more, I could spend a couple of hours looking for house insurance. I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah. But also I could um, know where I am and go and spend some money on something nice for a change. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I think, actually... With that goes something else that just a bit of a callback to what you were saying at the beginning. You talked about going to this wedding mm -hmm. and wearing uncomfortable shoes. Mm -hmm. All the time when you're in some kind of physical discomfort, that takes some self-control to deal with. Mm -hmm. mm. So removing those little bits of discomfort from your life, mm. if you can, the sort of low-key ongoing discomforts, mm. those can actually leave you with more self-control to deal with other things mm. and I think we procrastinate sometimes on fixing those small things but they mm. can be really valuable to fix yeah because it feels like oh that's not going to solve my mammoth problem but maybe actually it creates a bit of peace <laughs> in a particular area of your brain that um, can be devoted to something else instead yeah well also about um, timings because how might you look at finding times for you that work for you with mm. your willpower for organizing like doing that like i you know i'm really terrible at opening my post mm -hmm. um and i hate email these days because <laughs> mm. it always seems to be something visible but mm. you know that's that's the main contact point for me organizing my mm. my fiscal situation so i think there is something about having a weekly scheduled time that you do it rather than necessarily and and saying that is my time that i've set aside for it mm. and then trying to make that time sandwich that time between pleasant activities mm. and trying to do it early in the day get it done with <laughs> and actually you can schedule if you've got a, a to-do list and and a couple of the things on there are the the toughest things to do trying to schedule those at the top so do your do your annoying phone calls first and then mm. your filing later mm. Mm. the mindless stuff comes afterwards mm. do the do the brain work first mm. or what you see as brain work i suppose like yeah because like some people may be horrified by filing or you know it's like if <laughs> yeah that's if you're true. thinking about yeah. i guess if you're thinking about a limited resource of willpower then it's what is it that you find hardest to get on with and Definitely. do that while your resources are higher yeah after you're drinking your snack <laughs> yeah yeah here's an example of um someone i knew that that had um 
a really good way. She changed her routine in her day because she realised that she was spending a lot of money in the local shopping centre near her work. And the reason was she needed to get out of the office Mm. during lunch break. Mm. And she had this habit of walking down to the shops with her friends and just going around the shopping centre. And, of course, inevitably you do that, you're going to see things you like Mm. because that's what shopping centres are for. (laughs) They are providers of things you will like. Mm. And she found that she was just buying stuff without really thinking about it at least a couple of times a week. Mm. And so what she did was to think about what did she really want from this trip. It wasn't to go to the shopping centre. It was to get out of the office and get some fresh air and be in a different space. Mm. And so she changed her route to go to a local park. Mm. So she still got the space. She actually was calmer because she got some green Mm. space and some fresh air. Mm. And then she... She came back into the office revitalized and ready to go again and actually having repleted her mm. ego by that experience rather yeah. than depleted it. Yeah. And yeah, that like, was really helpful for her. Yeah. Yeah, shopping centers do contain lots of things you like, but they don't really contain much food for the soul, do they? <laughs> no. No, exactly. Yeah. I used to actually um I found out that I could join the library opposite the office I worked in like when I worked in a particular area of town a few years ago. Yeah, I used to go in the library at lunchtime. That's really nice. And the books there, they're free. <laughs> they let you take them home free. Nice. Yes. <laughs> Libraries, we love them. Yes. Big up the libraries. <laughs> Another thing I would say is if you know you've got something hard or frustrating or, you know, boring or difficult to deal with coming up ahead of you, mm. schedule something nice to do afterwards. Um, so that you don't go hunting for a treat. Mm. You you know you've already got one coming. Because mm. I think about times when I've had stressful days or uh, stressful situations. Like I used to go to see a therapist in the city of London and <laughs> her office was like directly opposite this row of shops. And uh, I'm not really, I am not a big shopper at all. And I would uh, immediately come out and like go and buy something in the shops opposite every single week that's that kind of thing so what is it so if you'd known that there was something waiting for you at home Mm. that would be nice and would kind of buoy you up and Mm. improve your mood after Mm. that tough day Mm. you had something to look forward to would it have been easier for you to not do that shopping Mm. if you'd if you'd known oh I'm going home to get a treat now yeah yeah because I'm not even a big spender, but it was always like, oh, look, I bought something again. Well, that was ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so, I'm really not a big spender. So it was like totally. Yeah. And I, you know, I guess in the context of that, it was like, I've been trying hard and now I'm not trying hard anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just buying something. Yeah. So I have another example. I used to manage a contract with an organization where one of the managers that I used to have to meet with regularly was bit of a character (laughs) let's be polite and I used to schedule to go for dinner with my sister somewhere cheap and nice Mm. after meetings with this guy Mm. so that I knew that I could kind of pick myself back up again Mm. after what was inevitably going to be a really frustrating meeting Mm. (laughs) that would leave me in a mood at the end of the day to want to if I hadn't done that, I I would have 
gone home, drunk a bottle of wine and had an enormous fatty takeaway. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> this yeah. was this was the better option. Damage limitation. Exactly. A dinner with my sister that I already would have wanted to have anyway. So it's mm. nice social time rather mm. than rather than sitting by myself being miserable, drinking a lot of wine. Yeah. And I guess on top of that, then the other thing to say is, is be kind to yourself. You know, if we know this is a thing and it happens because not all of these frustrations are predictable. You know, you going to a therapist, that's a weekly thing. You can kind of see that coming. Mm. Or once you recognize the pattern, you can see it coming. Mm. Me, I know when I'm going to be meeting with this dude most of the time. Mm. Um, Occasionally he would ambush me with a phone call, Mm. but mostly I would know and I'd be able to schedule it, but actually not always. And if you find that you were expecting to be able to do things a particular way and then you have a particularly stressful day and it it just comes out of the blue and then you end up overspending or doing something that you didn't mean to do. Like I said, with me, it was often, you know, a takeaway or a bottle of wine. Mm. And it's easy to get really down on yourself Mm. about that. But if you understand that this is actually a thing, this Mm. is a phenomenon that happens, Mm. you can be a bit more forgiving. Because it's kind of a thing that goes two ways as well because it can manifest as like an activity like just going and buying something you really don't need in a shop opposite your therapist. Or another thing that manifestation for me is having a complete disengagement with what actually needs to be done. Yeah. So, you know, the kind of realities of organising myself and opening my letters and that kind of thing. It's interesting to think about it, though, because it's, you know, you kind of associate willpower with, like, holding yourself back from things. But Mm. actually, you need it to go and do things you don't want to do. Actively go do things as well. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I mean, apparently I wanted to do it at the time. So, you know, it could be coming out in you in different ways that you're not necessarily associating with. Yeah. And then those things that definitely affect your attitude and your actions around money. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On the lookout now. Yeah. So I think we've really covered this. We are ego depleted in the ego depletion <laughs> arena. I think we deserve a treat, Alex. We do. Let's go. <laughs> Except it's been a real treat talking with you. Oh, I've had so stop much fun. It. <laughs> stop it. I paid her for that. <laughs> and I need it. You've been listening to Squanderlust, a podcast about the emotional side of money. Your hosts were Martha Lawton and Alex Lemon. You can find us online at squanderlustpod.com, where we'll put links to show notes, books and articles we mention, and other interesting things. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover or you have a story to tell about something you've heard here, get in touch through the website. If you enjoyed Squanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. 
What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.